The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh has opened up a new COVID vaccination site on campus. And later, we talk over the recent virtual attendance by Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes at an Oshkosh Student Association meeting. I'm Andrew Hansen. And I'm Cody Barnes, and you're listening to Week in Review for the week of March 19th, 2021. Our top story tonight, the Oshkosh Student Association recently had a representative from the governor's office attend one of their meetings virtually. Patrick Kane has a story. Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes attended the Oshkosh Student Association's Senate meeting Wednesday, and he discussed issues of importance from the state level. He addressed voting issues, including automatic voter registration, enabling early voting, and utilization of IDs for college students for voting. Barnes also expressed importance for redrawing of districts, stating that topics of interest for voters may not be addressed with the current boundary system. If people can pick their voters and not the other way around, we run into problems when it comes to moving forward on any given issue. I don't think it's right when Democrats do it. I definitely, I don't think it's right when Republicans do it. I don't think it's right when any party does it. Because there are so many uh, vital issues that the public overwhelmingly supports. Uh, it's not truly being represented. The will of the people is not being truly reflected, unfortunately, uh, in the halls of the state capitol. Barnes explained Governor Tony Evers' plan for funding the University of Wisconsin system, where the governor's budget allocated $190 million to the UW system in what the lieutenant governor calls the largest increase in a generation. The budget also calls for $50 million to fund the tuition freeze and $20 million per fiscal year for general unrestricted aid. Barnes did not elaborate where this funding would come from. The governor's budget also includes $27 million to complete renovations of the Clo nursing facility at UW Oshkosh. Barnes explained the importance of the project towards the state. I had a chance to come there and visit. We talked about the nursing shortage and how you all are stepping up uh, to meet the need. And I think that the issue of healthcare and healthcare providers and uh, practitioners uh, could not have been more uh, apparent over the last year. The lieutenant governor elaborated on funding the tuition freeze with increases in funding to the Wisconsin Grants Program, doubling funding for the Lawton Undergraduate Minority Retention Grant Program, and providing funding for undocumented immigrants, members of Native American tribes, and active duty military personnel. Lieutenant Governor Barnes explained that the governor's administration is looking to focus on student debt as well, as they are planning on two separate initiatives. One is to create a student loan borrower's bill of rights. That requires student loan services to provide complete and accurate information to borrowers on payment options and to also help make sure that people of this state are treated fairly. We are creating an office of student loan ombudsman within the Department of Financial Institutions, which will look out for borrowers and will also hold loan services accountable for imposing unjust harm on people who simply just want to go to college but cannot afford the upfront cost. The governor's administration will hold six sessions known as the Badger Bounce Back Live Sessions for public input on various aspects around the Badger Bounce Back program. The first of six events occurred yesterday, and the next discussion is next Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. virtually. More information can be found at evers.wi.gov. 
Finally, Barnes explained the importance of holding elected officials accountable, especially for student representatives. And so I think about young people making their voices heard. It's important to also hold elected leaders accountable because these issues impact you, right? Like these aren't things that you may be on campus, but you're not in some alternate universe. You are right here being governed by the people you elect. Elected officials have a responsibility. UW Oshkosh is making it easier for the community to get COVID-19 vaccinations. Aubrey Links has more. UW Oshkosh has been working within the community to get COVID-19 vaccinations to those who are eligible. UW Oshkosh's Karen Sanchez is the director of UWO's Student Health Center. She says, The first site started at the Culver Family Welcome Center, and that is actually a community vaccination site. You can be from the community, the surrounding area, Winnebago County, etc. But they are working in partnership with UW Oshkosh. So UW Oshkosh has provided a lot of the logistics of the base that they're using, some of the expertise as far as security, information technology, refrigeration, all those kind of logistical details. UW Oshkosh has partnered with Aurora Health and to some degree, the county of Winnebago to make that happen. Now, another option is more recent, and that is with my department, the Student Health Center. And we have gotten vaccines now for approximately three weeks. And what we've done is we partner with other departments on campus to help figure out how best to bring this about, such as information technology. They helped us with a, a sign-up tool. And for students or staff, you have to go through the email that we send out, decide if you are eligible, and then through that app and with your ID number, you can sign up for a spot at the Student Health Center. So we've given, oh, anywhere from 150 up to 180 in one week. COVID-19 vaccinations are available to many. More and more people are eligible to get their COVID-19 vaccine. COVID-19 vaccine appointments are available on UW Oshkosh's website. To register, go to the UW Oshkosh homepage and click on vaccination information. Reporting for Weekend Review, I'm Aubrey Lauk. According to the Oshkosh City Newsletter on March 12th, Oshkosh's status as a metropolitan statistical area is in jeopardy. A rule change proposal made by the federal government would raise the MSA threshold from 50,000 to 100,000 people. This change could result in multiple disadvantages for Oshkosh, including possible loss of state and federal funding. The Chamber of Commerce and City Manager Mark Roloff have expressed their opposition to the change. For any questions, residents can contact Community Development Director Alan Davis. Oshkosh Media added three candidate forums to its GovTV lineup. Oshkosh Media has teamed with the League of Women Voters of Winnebago County to host forums for the Oshkosh Area School District Board of Education and Winnebago County Executive. Oshkosh Media has also teamed with the Wisconsin Public Education Network to host a forum for State Superintendent. All three forums will be aired several times again on GovTV before the April 6th elections. The GovTV weekly schedule can be found on the Oshkosh Media website. The Oshkosh Public Library has created a resource page to help assist residents with casting their ballots. The page has been designed to inform voters by putting together reliable resources into one place. For registration deadlines, information on absentee ballots, candidate information, and links to candidate forums, visit oshkoshpubliclibrary.org.
In other news, several UW Oshkosh students recently competed in the University of Wisconsin System Quick Pitch Showcase with four earning top honors. Chandler Brindley has more. The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh was well represented for the March Wisses Quick Pitch Showcase. With the event being held virtually this year, the UW Oshkosh students had to present at the same event as other UW System schools, which included UW Lacrosse. UW-Whitewater, and UW-Superior. Additionally, two Titans received high placements, which included Michaela Can, a nursing student receiving second place, along with a $100 prize presenting in science and technology, as well as Raiden Montero, who also got second place, and a prize of $100 for presenting in social sciences and humanities. Montero added that he plans to use his great experience as motivation and what he called a stronger drive when furthering his education past his bachelor's degrees. Not only was there well-representation, but also UW Oshkosh had a duo take first-place honors. Brianna Roberts, studying kinesiology, placed first in the science and technology division, along with Julia Thompson, who also is a double major in economics and information systems, securing first place in the social sciences and humanities division. When reaching out to Thompson, she stated that she had a great experience participating in the quick pitch competition. The competition challenged her to present her research in a manner that is accessible to people outside of her field of study. Thompson also enjoyed having the opportunity to share the value of her research with the UWO community. Finally, Thompson also looks forward to continuing to research and compete with another opportunity to do so in May. Both Roberts and Thompson received $300 each, advancing them to the finals on May 26th. The Communications Club here at UW Oshkosh provides students with a golden opportunity to further their knowledge about the communications field while also creating connections that could last a lifetime. Eric Kruger has more. One of the most interesting and expansive fields that a student can enter is the communications field. With countless opportunities and pathways that a student can take with the degree, it is often hard to figure out how exactly to attack it. One useful tool that can be used to help figure out a path is the communications club here at UW Oshkosh. Gabby Newman, the club's president, describes the club's qualities and the benefits it can create for students. It started as a small organization that slowly has, slowly has grown over the last couple of years. And we, re- we really worked during the semester to promote events that bring students together, especially with this virtual atmosphere, to create some friends amongst each other. The coronavirus pandemic has challenged the communication club, but they've been able to persevere with some intelligent planning and creative thinking. The club's meetings work on professional and personal development, and one easy way to do that is to bring in professionals in the field that can offer the students their opinions and advice through an online environment. However, Newman believes that as the weather gets better, the possibility of bringing back in-person meetings grows higher and higher with each warmer day. As the weather gets nicer, we've been paying close attention to the university guidelines of how to host in-person meetings, and I've also been speaking closely to with other organizations who have been. So we are rolling around right now with the possibility of having an April in-person meeting, doing something fun again with engagement and maybe a game night of students versus professors or something like that. The Communication Club meets through Collaborate Ultra every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. 
A benefit for students is that there are many ways to contact someone if you are interested in the club. If you are looking for any information on the club, a great resource would be Dr. Jennifer Kostadine, who is the department chair of the program, as well as our advisor for the club. So she's always on campus at the ANC, and so you can either catch her in the hallway or go into the Communication Studies office and speak to Sue Robel, who um, does the department programming. She can totally connect to either Dr. C or myself as the president. And again, my name is Gabby Newman. As of right now, the club is mainly made up of communication students, but the club is open to anyone and everyone looking to further their knowledge of the communications field. Five years after they were hired, five Milwaukee area workers say they are owed tens of thousands of dollars in back wages. Reggie Blount and his former colleagues have filed a federal lawsuit against Fleet Courier Incorporated. The Illinois company has a hub in Brookfield, and the men say a fleet engaged in unlawful employment discrimination against plaintiffs on the basis of their race. All five men are black. They say they weren't treated as employees, instead misclassified as independent contractors, and that led to them being denied minimum wages and overtime pay as required by federal and state laws. Blount says that it wasn't unusual to work 60-hour weeks and make just $300. Milwaukee is lifting its COVID-19 restrictions ahead of schedule. Reporter Terry Bell brings us up to speed on the story. The health department is lifting significant restrictions on sporting events, bars and restaurants, and retail stores starting Friday. The most significant change is restaurants can open to 50% capacity with no safety plan. Museums can open with capacity limits and protective measures. Retail stores can let as many people in as can physically distance. Also, restrictions on nursing home visits are lifted. The city's mask mandate is still in effect. Terry Bell, Wisconsin Radio Network. In other state news, Governor Tony Evers will be shutting down the state's COVID-19 field hospital at State Fair Park in West Allis. The alternate care facility was built last year in anticipation of a possible need for mass hospitalizations connected to COVID-19. It never saw widespread use, even during the worst of last fall's surge in virus cases. A total of 170 people were treated for the coronavirus. The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh has opened up a new COVID vaccination site on campus. And later, we talk over the recent virtual attendance by Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes at an Oshkosh Student Association meeting. I'm Andrew Hansen. And I'm Cody Barnes, and you're listening to Week in Review for the week of March 19th, 2021. Our top story tonight, the Oshkosh Student Association recently had a representative from the governor's office attend one of their meetings virtually. Patrick Kane has a story. Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes attended the Oshkosh Student Association's Senate meeting Wednesday, and he discussed issues of importance from the state level. He addressed voting issues, including automatic voter registration, enabling early voting, and utilization of IDs for college students for voting. Barnes also expressed importance for redrawing of districts, stating that topics of interest for voters may not be addressed with the current boundary system. If people can pick their voters and not the other way around, 
we run into problems when it comes to moving forward on any given issue. I don't think it's right when Democrats do it. I definitely, I don't think it's right when Republicans do it. I don't think it's right when any party does it. Because there are so many uh, vital issues that the public overwhelmingly supports. Uh, it's not truly being represented. The will of the people is not being truly reflected, unfortunately, uh, in the halls of the state capitol. Barnes explained Governor Tony Evers' plan for funding the University of Wisconsin system, where the governor's budget allocated $190 million to the UW system in what the lieutenant governor calls the largest increase in a generation. The budget also calls for $50 million to fund the tuition freeze and $20 million per fiscal year for general unrestricted aid. Barnes did not elaborate where this funding would come from. The governor's budget also includes $27 million to complete renovations of the Clo nursing facility at UW Oshkosh. Barnes explained the importance of the project towards the state. I had a chance to come there and visit. We talked about the nursing shortage and how you all are stepping up uh, to meet the need. And I think that the issue of healthcare and healthcare providers and uh, practitioners uh, could not have been more uh, apparent over the last year. The lieutenant governor elaborated on funding the tuition freeze with increases in funding to the Wisconsin Grants Program, doubling funding for the Lawton Undergraduate Minority Retention Grant Program, and providing funding for undocumented immigrants, members of Native American tribes, and active duty military personnel. Lieutenant Governor Barnes explained that the governor's administration is looking to focus on student debt as well, as they are planning on two separate initiatives. One is to create a student loan borrower's bill of rights. That requires student loan services to provide complete and accurate information to borrowers on payment options and to also help make sure that people of this state are treated fairly. We are creating an office of student loan ombudsman within the Department of Financial Institutions, which will look out for borrowers and will also hold loan services accountable for imposing unjust harm on people who simply just want to go to college but cannot afford the upfront cost. The governor's administration will hold six sessions known as the Badger Bounce Back Live Sessions for public input on various aspects around the Badger Bounce Back program. The first of six events occurred yesterday, and the next discussion is next Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. virtually. More information can be found at evers.wi.gov. Finally, Barnes explained the importance of holding elected officials accountable, especially for student representatives. And so I think about young people making their voices heard. It's important to also hold elected leaders accountable because these issues impact you, right? Like these aren't things that you may be on campus, but you're not in some alternate universe. You are right here being governed by the people you elect. Elected officials have a responsibility. UW Oshkosh is making it easier for the community to get COVID-19 vaccinations. Aubrey Links has more. UW Oshkosh has been working within the community to get COVID-19 vaccinations to those who are eligible. UW Oshkosh's Karen Sanchez is the director of UWO's Student Health Center. She says, The first site started at the Culver Family Welcome Center, and that is actually a community vaccination site. You can be from the community, the surrounding area, Winnebago County, etc. 
but they are working in partnership with UW Oshkosh. So UW Oshkosh has provided a lot of the logistics of the base that they're using, some of the expertise as far as security, information technology, refrigeration, all those kind of logistical details. UW Oshkosh has partnered with Aurora Health and to some degree the county of Winnebago to make that happen. Now another option is more recent and that is with my department, the Student Health Center. And we have gotten vaccines now for approximately three weeks. And what we've done is we partner with other departments on campus to help figure out how best to bring this about, such as information technology. They helped us with a, a sign-up tool. And for students or staff, you have to go through the email that we send out, decide if you are eligible, and then through that app and with your ID number, you can sign up for a spot at the Student Health Center. So we've given, oh, anywhere from 150 up to 180 in one week. COVID-19 vaccinations are available to many. More and more people are eligible to get their COVID-19 vaccine. COVID-19 vaccine appointments are available on UW Oshkosh's website. To register, go to the UW Oshkosh homepage and click on vaccination information. Reporting for Weekend Review, I'm Aubrey Lauk. According to the Oshkosh City Newsletter on March 12, Oshkosh's status as a metropolitan statistical area is in jeopardy. A rule change proposal made by the federal government would raise the MSA threshold from 50,000 to 100,000 people. This change could result in multiple disadvantages for Oshkosh, including possible loss of state and federal funding. The Chamber of Commerce and City Manager Mark Roloff have expressed their opposition to the change. For any questions, residents can contact Community Development Director Alan Davis. Oshkosh Media added three candidate forums to its GovTV lineup. Oshkosh Media has teamed with the League of Women Voters of Winnebago County to host forums for the Oshkosh Area School District Board of Education and Winnebago County Executive. Oshkosh Media has also teamed with the Wisconsin Public Education Network to host a forum for State Superintendent. All three forums will be aired several times again on GovTV before the April 6th elections. The GovTV weekly schedule can be found on the Oshkosh Media website. The Oshkosh Public Library has created a resource page to help assist residents with casting their ballots. The page has been designed to inform voters by putting together reliable resources into one place. For registration deadlines, information on absentee ballots, candidate information, and links to candidate forums, visit oshkoshpubliclibrary.org. In other news, several UW Oshkosh students recently competed in the University of Wisconsin System Quick Pitch Showcase with four earning top honors. Chandler Brindley has more. The University of Wisconsin Oshkosh was well represented for the March Wisses Quick Pitch Showcase. With the event being held virtually this year, the UW Oshkosh students had to present at the same event as other UW System schools, which included UW Lacrosse. UW-Whitewater, and UW-Superior. Additionally, two Titans received high placements, which included Michaela Can, a nursing student receiving second place, along with a $100 prize presenting in science and technology, as well as Raiden Montero, who also got second place, and a prize of $100 for presenting in social sciences and humanities. Montero added that he plans to use his great experience as motivation and what he called a stronger drive when furthering his education past his bachelor's degrees. 
Not only was there well representation, but also UW Oshkosh had a duo take first place honors. Brianna Roberts, studying kinesiology, placed first in the science and technology division, along with Julia Thompson, who also is a double major in economics and information systems, securing first place in the social sciences and humanities division. When reaching out to Thompson, she stated that she had a great experience participating in the quick pitch competition. The competition challenged her to present her research in a manner that is accessible to people outside of her field of study. Thompson also enjoyed having the opportunity to share the value of her research with the UWO community. Finally, Thompson also looks forward to continuing to research and compete with another opportunity to do so in May. Both Roberts and Thompson received $300 each, advancing them to the finals on May 26th. The Communications Club here at UW Oshkosh provides students with a golden opportunity to further their knowledge about the communications field while also creating connections that could last a lifetime. Eric Kruger has more. One of the most interesting and expansive fields that a student can enter is the communications field. With countless opportunities and pathways that a student can take with the degree, it is often hard to figure out how exactly to attack it. One useful tool that can be used to help figure out a path is the Communications Club here at UW Oshkosh. Gabby Newman, the club's president, describes the club's qualities and the benefits it can create for students. It started as a small organization that slowly has slowly has grown over the last couple of years. And we, re- we really worked during the semester to promote events that bring students together, especially with this virtual atmosphere, to create some friends amongst each other. The coronavirus pandemic has challenged the communication club, but they've been able to persevere with some intelligent planning and creative thinking. The club's meetings work on professional and personal development, And one easy way to do that is to bring in professionals in the field that can offer the students their opinions and advice through an online environment. However, Newman believes that as the weather gets better, the possibility of bringing back in-person meetings grows higher and higher with each warmer day. As the weather gets nicer, we've been paying close attention to the university guidelines of how to host in-person meetings. And I've also been speaking closely to with other organizations who have been. So we are rolling it around right now with the possibility of having an April in-person meeting, doing something fun again with engagement and maybe a game night of students versus professors or something like that. The Communication Club meets through Collaborate Ultra every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. A benefit for students is that there are many ways to contact someone if you are interested in the club. If you are looking for any information on the club, a great resource would be Dr. Jennifer Considine, who is the department chair of the program, as well as our advisor for the club. So she is always on campus at the ANC, and so you can either catch her in the hallway or go into the communication studies office and speak to Sue Robel, who um, does the department programming. She can totally connect to either Dr. C or myself as the president. And again, my name is Gabby Newman. As of right now, the club is mainly made up of communication students, but the club is open to anyone and everyone looking to further their knowledge of the communications field. Five years after they were hired, five Milwaukee area workers say they are owed tens of thousands of dollars in back wages. Reggie Blount and his former colleagues have filed a federal lawsuit against Fleet Courier Incorporated. 
The Illinois company has a hub in Brookfield, and the men say a fleet engaged in unlawful employment discrimination against plaintiffs on the basis of their race. All five men are black. They say they weren't treated as employees, instead misclassified as independent contractors, and that led to them being denied minimum wages and overtime pay as required by federal and state laws. Blount says that it wasn't unusual to work 60-hour weeks and make just $300. Milwaukee is lifting its COVID-19 restrictions ahead of schedule. Reporter Terry Bell brings us up to speed on the story. The health department is lifting significant restrictions on sporting events, bars and restaurants, and retail stores starting Friday. The most significant change is restaurants can open to 50% capacity with no safety plan. Museums can open with capacity limits and protective measures. Retail stores can let as many people in as can physically distance. Also, restrictions on nursing home visits are lifted. The city's mask mandate is still in effect. Terry Bell, Wisconsin Radio Network. In other state news, Governor Tony Evers will be shutting down the state's COVID-19 field hospital at State Fair Park in West Alice. The alternate care facility was built last year in anticipation of a possible need for mass hospitalizations connected to COVID-19. It never saw widespread use, even during the worst of last fall's surge in virus cases. A total of 170 people were treated for the coronavirus at the facility last year. The hospital will be closed by April this year. Well, that's going to do it for us here at this week's Week in Review for the week of March 12th, 2021. All music for this episode was composed by Abbott Manneke. Reporters for this episode include Patrick Kane, Eric Berlin, Avri Laux, Brady Meyer, and Eric Kruger. Follow WRST-FM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to get the latest updates on episodes of Week in Review and more. You can watch Week in Review live every Friday from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh or listen to this episode and all previous episodes on the go wherever you go on the Apple Podcasts app. I'm Cody Barnes. And I'm Andrew Hansen. Until next time, goodbye.